Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Las Musas podcast. My name is Maria Jose Fitzgerald, and I'm the author of Turtles of the Midnight Moon. Today, I'm joined by Monica Mancilla and Angela Montoya. And today, on this episode of the Las Musas podcast, we are trying something new and talking about the topic media as inspiration. So, um, to get us started, would you just introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about your books and what you're reading right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Monica Mancillas. My, um, I write picture books in middle grade. My debut picture book, Mariana and Her Familia, came out last October with HarperCollins, uh, Balzar and Bray. Um, and then I have two books coming out this year, How to Speak in Spanglish and The Worry Balloon, both picture books. And my debut middle grade, Sing It Like Celia, comes out next year. Awesome. And I'm Angela Montoya. I'm the author of Young Adult Fantasy Romance Sinner's Isle. It's coming out uh, October 31st of 2023. And um, it follows a witch who has been banished to a tiny island in the center of the sea and she needs to escape. So she blackmails a broody and recently marooned pirate. Um, so that's it in, in, in the gist. <laughs> And it's so good. I read an early arc of it and I cannot wait to read the final October 31st. <laughs> so exciting. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just a little bit about my book, Turtles of the Midnight Moon. It just came out March 14th and it follows uh, two girls, Verana and Abby, um, who are on a quest to solve a sea turtle egg poaching mystery. And it is set in Honduras, which is where I grew up. And it's a little eco-mystery with a little bit of magic and just a friendship story at its heart. Um, I'll start us off with what I'm reading. I'm currently reading Carmen and Grace, um, which is by Melissa Koss Aquino. Just started it. It's amazing. And I'm also reading, I'm reading two books at once. I'm also reading a middle grade novel called The List of Things That Will Not Change by Rebecca Steed. I love Rebecca Steed. She wrote... Um, when You Reach Me, which won the Newberry like ages ago. I just love how she writes. I, I needed like middle grade inspiration and sort of like just to get into a voicey book. And I love this story. And Carmen and Grace, it's just like piercing my heart. It's so good. Uh, what are you guys reading? Uh, so since since we're talking middle grade, I'm just going to mention the, the last three books that I read um, because they were amazing middle grade books. Um, so I, uh, I recently read Flip Turns by Catherine Ar Arguelles, um, and then Keep It Together, Keiko Carter by Debbie Michiko Florence, and Born Behind Bars by Padma Venkatraman. Um, and now I am tearing through the um, Ember in the Ashes series by Saba Tahir, absolutely loving it, which is, uh, I believe, categorized YA fantasy. Cool. That's I love I love Saba to hear like I gobbled those books up. So oh, I read the first two books in a week. Like I can't I keep having to go back to the store to get the next one. <laughs> okay, I need to clearly get on this bandwagon. That's yes, awesome. you can't be like it's funny when that book just hits and and it feels like young adult fantasy sometimes just hits right and like those mm -hmm. books they're so easy to gobble up and it's uh, really fun. Um, which I just, I read a bunch of young adult fantasy romance in particular, because it's just, it's what I love what naturally love. and and what I like to write. <clears throat> um, I just started, I mean, literally just like the first 
few chapters. This isn't a young adult fantasy, but um, The Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. I have an arc uh, that someone sent me. And so, yeah, I'm really excited because I will eat, I will not eat, I will read anything Isabel Cañas writes. Um, so I'm really excited to dig in. Probably today. I think that's my plans for the day is just to read this book. Okay, Angela, I have to ask you, Sarah J. Mass or Lee Bardugo? Ooh. Honestly, I'm going to go with like Six of Crows was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, that You know what? That's a, that one stumped me. You don't have to life. answer. You can I'll, plead the fifth, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not everyone was like on one team or the other. I'm Sarah J. Mass all the way. I just, oh, her books just do me in. Love, yeah. love, love. Yeah. No, I mean, I have to say like, cause uh, Six of Crows I loved, but not necessarily all the other, um, like the other, the Grishaverse uh, books. But yeah, like Sarah J Moss just writes compelling storylines. And yeah, there's, and there's so much, there's so much to it and that's happening all at one time. And uh, pound for pound, yeah, I think you've gotta go <laughs> with Sarah I mean- J Moss. <laughs> And does anybody do romance like her? I mean, oh my gosh, her her romantic plot lines just whew, draw me in. <laughs> I yes. feel like we're totally getting into the topic for today, which is media as inspiration. <laughs> That's true. Um, so let's just dive in. And like the first question we have um, is, has media informed your writing? And if so, how? I think as writers, the answer is clearly yes to this. But so maybe I'm a little more interested in how it has influenced you. Um, and this can be any media, shows, video games, other books, live theater, like anything you like, just in general, how has it influenced or informed you as an author? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's impossible not to be influenced by the media you consume. And I don't think it's always obvious how it how it influences you. Um, but, you know, the things that I watch and the books that I read have evolved over time. And if I were to look back, I'd see, I think, obvious parallels in how my writing has changed. Um, when I was when I was in high school, the first book that really, really drew me in that I loved was Jane Eyre. And from that moment on, I was hooked to Victorian age um, literature that more specifically looked Victorian age literature that was written by uh, female authors and featured, um, you know, these these heroines that were complicated and and pained and in love and it was all difficult and somehow they overcame. Um, So for years, that's all I would read. And then I started reading, um, delving into fantasy and contemporary I think maybe in my late 20s. So it took me a while to get there. Um, And so the stuff that I was writing early on was very kind of loquacious and, you know, Victorian. I mean, just overly descriptive and heavily literary. Um, I think now my, my, my voice is still literary, but it has a lot more, it's a lot more grounded, you know, it's a lot more relatable. Um, so I think those are, you know, there, there are the subtle shifts that you, that you don't intend. And then, and then there's the purposeful as, as a writer, when you start really delving into your craft, when I started 
um, writing picture books, of course, I would go to the library and check out as many picture books as I can and buy picture books and read picture books that were comparative to what I was writing comps. Um, and try, you know, and I always kind of kept a stack by my bed so I would pick them up and look through them when I was looking for inspiration or just looking for how to figure out this particular story. And then when I started delving into middle grade, same thing, I started reading middle grade that was in the genre that I was writing. Um, I, I'm working on a work for hire right now that hasn't been announced and it's, um, so I can't talk a whole lot about it, but it's a dual point of view, um, enemies to lovers middle grade. And this isn't something that I had written before. So I am now kind of gobbling up books that are comparative, that are, um, you know, I had to figure out how to write dual point of view. It's a completely different flow. So that's the more intentional way that, that you know, reading can inspire you. If you look for those books that are like what you're writing or the books that you love and you would like to emulate. I love that. Yeah, I think for for me, it was, um, it's heavily influenced so much. I mean, the books that I, I read, shows that I watch, the movies, but in particular, like going back a few years uh, when, because I have one of my sisters is much younger than me. She's 12 years younger than me. And um, she picked up, you know, young adult novels when she was like in high school, I want to say. And, um, you know, uh, Cassandra Clare, uh, Twilight, obviously, uh, Divergent, all of these books. And so she would read them and then she'd come to me and be like, you should read this. And so I, you know, I started reading all the things after her. And then at, we would talk about it and like bond over these young adult fantasies. And um, and then we'd go to the midnight premiere and people would be dressed up and excited. And I just, that feeling that those, you know, she, like reading and then going to the movies and, and being together, like that feeling, I feel like I still am always trying to recreate. And, and that's probably why I continued on and started writing young adult fantasy uh, just because there, it, it gave me such joy um, and, and helped me bond with my little sister and all of these things. And, and even now, you know, now that I have kids who were her age at that time and getting to kind of do that again yeah, and, you know, and, and it heavily influenced why I obviously started to write uh, was when my daughter came home with the Hunger Games and, you know, she was just like really loved Katniss and thought she was so cool, yeah. you know, but my, a lot of the heroines of young adult fantasy did not necessarily look like my daughter or my family didn't represent, you know, a different sort of uh, heritage or, or background. And so that I was like, you know what, maybe I can write something with like a, you know, tough, cool, uh, you know, Mexican-American hair, you know, heroine and put her in things and, you know, let her dive into a world and save the day. And, um, and so that, you know, eventually turned into, well, that first book went nowhere, but eventually <laughs> I just kept writing. <laughs> and every time I would insert those sorts of like badass characters into the mix. And so, um, yeah, I just, I'm always trying to recreate that angsty, moony, broody feeling because I just love it so much. And I can like 
that story, I just love that story because I, I feel like I can picture you like with your 12 year old, well, 12 years younger than you sister, like just bonding over these movies and these books and these TV shows and just like a spark kind of igniting in your brain, you know, like this is cool. Like I'm eating this up, you know? And I feel like for me, it's similar, but it was with my children. So I, I think, you know, this about me, Angela, because we talked about this on your podcast, but I never set out to be a writer. I always loved books and I always loved writing and I always loved stories. And I'm Gen X. Like I grew up just loving movies, like where kids were the heroes, you know, and like, I write mystery um, for the most part. I write contemporary as well, but I don't write fantasy. But I loved like Goonies or like Indiana Jones, like adventure slash like something epic, but also with like all those deep human condition feelings like family and friendship and like um, that kind of stuff. So for me, when I became a mom and I started raising my kids, books just took over our home. Like it was almost like this, I was reading a lot for my book club. Like I've always read, but I was reading adult, you know, I was a teacher full-time and my pleasure reading was mostly adult novels. And, um, I rediscovered children's literature when my kids were babies and then toddlers and then preschool. And I just started to realize how much I loved kid lit. And we would read books out loud. And I just, that is what ignited the spark for me. So similar to you with your sister, except it was with my kids and having this feeling of like, I want to do this too. Like, I love these stories, but I want to represent like my heritage and my stories. So my kids can see themselves, you know, even just a little bit and other kids. So yeah, I think for me, that's sort of where it's at. Um, Yeah, I um. I have you beat, Angela. My, my, I have three younger siblings, and the youngest is thirty-three years younger than me. Wow! So she, yeah, she's thirteen, and the middle grade book I have coming out next year was actually largely inspired by her experiences. So, I definitely, and you know, the picture book I have coming out, one of the picture books I have coming out this year, the Worry Balloon, was largely influenced by my daughter's experiences and my own personal experiences. So. I know we're talking about media's inspiration, but I think the children in our lives definitely influence totally. what we're reading. Totally. Yes. And I, I think it's so funny I, that we're all beating each other, but like I have you beat. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, okay. So this is funny. So I'm the oldest of six. My youngest sibling is 23 years younger than me. So not quite beat there, but then I have a half sister who's 35 years younger than me. So, uh, wow. Kind of, you do have me beat. That's a first. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, let's see, I'm 44. She's eight. So whatever that is, you do the math, but anyway, something around that maybe we're kind of the same. No, a little, I think I have you beat anyway. I can't remember. Oh, yes. No, I'm 46. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. Our parents, cool. so our I, parents were busy. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Um, so, okay. Um, what about these days? So we've talked sort of about like the spark of media in the past, like what sparked our writing journey and how it influenced our, those initial writing days. Um, and I love the Victorian era stuff that you talked about. I loved Jane Eyre as well, but I read it in college. Um, I don't know. Now I feel like I want to reread that stuff because I did love that show. Now I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, it's not Victorian. It's 
Renaissance, not Renaissance. Oh my gosh. What is the show called? Um, everybody was watching it during COVID. You're talking about Bridgerton? Yes. It's not Victorian, oh. but it's, uh, the Regency, well, Regency, Regency era. What I'm looking for. Um, so let's talk about what media is influencing us today and what kind of media we're consuming uh, these days, is there a particular genre that you find yourself going back to time and time again to inform your writing or to inspire you like in the present moment, like talk about that um, media? Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, when it comes to books and and movies and shows, I think I read and watch everything. I mean, um, I'm a little bit more select, I think, with what I with what I read than what I watch, <laughs> I mean, I watched, you know, this day, in this day and age with um, downloading and so many platforms and streaming, it's, it's, you just, you know, I, I'm one day I'm watching um, something like, you know, Sandition or, or Bridgerton and, and the next day I'm watching The Last of Us and then the next day I'm watching Love is Blind, I mean, you know, trashy reality television. So anything and everything when it comes to um, what I watch, what I read, um, I, I think I do come back to dystopian and um, young adult fantasy time and time again. Um, those are the ones that I just, you know, can't put down. Um, I do like, like Elena Ferrante is my favorite living author. I mean, I just cannot put her books down. And I think in part because she does have elements of that, you know, kind of old world literary mm-hmm. um, tone to her writing where it's and also these complex female protagonists that have just been through so much and that are so relatable to so many of us and then um you know with middle grade it's all over the place i mean i love books like the last cuentista um uh the other side of happy um oh so good yeah i could not put either of those down i read them so quickly so yeah i mean oh and and Believe it or not, I only recently read the Hunger Games series and was blown away by that one as well. So classic. Yeah, it's such a classic thing and everything, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What well, about you, Angela? As far as reading goes, if there's romance in it, I'm reading it. Yes, same. If, if there is if there is a little smooch, I am in. I don't <laughs> care. I need it. If I read a heavy book. Right after that, I'm like, okay, give me all the romance, like just give me every bit of angst and all of that. Um, So I'm just a sucker for like love and all of that, like fun and just miscommunication. I'm here for it. So yeah, I can't get enough. Uh, As far as like shows, I mean, same. I have like every streaming platform, (laughs) so I can so I can watch anything. Lately. And I think it also kind of helps helps me so I don't get distracted, but I watch a lot of foreign movies or shows. So yeah. I'm reading the subtitles a lot of the time. So I can't pick up my phone and like scroll as I'm watching things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it helps me stay focused. But I like I have watched so many K-dramas in the last few years and I can't get enough. Um, it's like the quirkier, the better. And, uh, recently I've been into, um, what did I just watch? It was, it was dark though. And I'm, I don't usually enjoy a lot of darker 
shows, mm-hmm. but it was, uh, I think it was called Baby. Severance? Oh. No, it was oh, called, it was it was called Baby. Yeah, um, it's it is based in Italy, and um, it just talks about like the like the wealthy kids, teens in Italy, and kind of like the seedier side of wealth and um, being a girl with a body, you know that kind of stuff. And so I, I just gobbled that one up. But as soon as I do watch something darker and that kind of messes with me a little emotionally. I pop right back into joyful, funny. Uh, but yeah, I can't get enough of the K-dramas. They're mm-hmm. just, for the most part, not obviously not all, but like the ones that I, I really, really enjoy are really light and and just um, kind of ridiculous in many ways, but in the best ways. I think for a lot of American shows, sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and everything has to be exactly right. You know, all the all the facts have to be in line. Mm-hmm. And and some of the shows that I consume right now, it's just kind of poking fun at themselves, at love, at the ridiculousness of society. It's really interesting how we both of you have sort of spoken of about shows you're consuming that really don't necessarily align with what you write 100%, you know? Cuz I do that too. Like I watch shows that have nothing to do with what I'm trying to put out into the world. But then I do read books as mentor texts. So I will pick like middle grade novels purposefully uh, by writers I respect uh, to sort of inform my craft to make me a better writer. Mm -hmm. And then I will also read for pleasure a little bit less so these days just because life is busy. So I'll do it through audiobooks. So I'll read books through audiobooks. I just finished Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. It was great. Uh, the audio version was great. But yeah, it's interesting that you're. we are watching shows that, and, and I just wonder, it's sort of an open question, like, why do you think that is? Why do you think we're choosing shows like, I love Ted Lasso, you know? Yeah. And it's funny. And like, I'm not a funny writer. Like I don't, I do include some funny bits, but like my voice isn't, funny. It's more literary, but with some humor imbued, I try, you know, I, I imbue a little bit of magic in my stories. Like there's not really any magic in Ted Lasso. I mean, I loved Jane, the Virgin back in the day, and I, I can rewatch that show and there's a lot of magical realism there, but why do you think that is like, is it just because we need to have our little escape and yes. yeah, I think it's definitely escapism. I mean, when I turn on the television, it's because I'm, I've been writing all day. I've been marketing. I've been parenting. I've been teaching and I'm just tired. And I just want to watch something that's entertaining and, you know, whatever it is that I'm gravitating toward at that moment. But I will say that there are now, I think more than ever, some really great shows for, you know, like Heartstopper and Dairy Girls and 10 Reasons Why, you know, that are, aimed more towards the middle grade and YA audience and that I think are really appealing to adults as well as well. I know a lot of adults who watch them and eat them up and those do, I think, inform my writing. And again, I watch them because just escapism. I want to enjoy them, but I do take ideas from them. I mean, I'm not, as I mentioned, I outed myself. I'm 46. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not in middle grade in middle school anymore or high school. So Um, You know, I have a school age daughter that helps and I have a 13 year old sister, but it does help to get into the culture to watch those kinds of shows and 
you know, I had like I had to ask somebody the other day, do kids still say bunk? You know, I mean, but if you watch these shows, you you are introduced to the way kids are talking these days and what is important to them and what are they thinking about? I love that. Before I started writing, I was such a big reader. You know, I like that was my life was books and I couldn't get enough. And and it felt like once I started really writing, it was harder to pick up a book. I don't know if it's just like because you're constantly reading as you're writing your own stuff. So it feels like actually physically holding a book and reading feels like part of work. You know, like mm-hmm. as I'm reading, I'm all like a, a person's work. I'm also like dissecting it. Like, oh, I love how they did this. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to do that too. That's really cool. Oh, okay. I love how they use these words like this. Um, and so I'm like annotating instead of necessarily really enjoying and just losing myself in story. Losing and yourself. I feel like, yeah. And I feel like it's a lot harder and, le- and audiobooks really save the day for me in that sense, where I am driving most of the time. So I'm focusing on the road and just listening. Mm-hmm. And that is the only way I, that I could really lose myself in story lately is through audiobooks. So thank goodness for those. But um, but yeah, like sitting down and just watching a show is that escape for me as well. It's so much easier to shut everything out, to shut your author brain off and just enjoy what you're consuming and like really get into the storyline, the characters. And a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll finish a, a show and I'll sit back and be like, wow, that was great storytelling. But it's usually after the fact, once the show's done. And so, yeah, um, yeah. I love it. But, and then you start to, to analyze why it worked so well. Like you can lose yourself in the show and completely like be transported. And then when it's all said and done, you can be like, okay, let's think about why that just happened. And how can I incorporate that into my writing? Yeah, Yeah. no, I just finished this book, uh, the show, it's a Japanese drama, uh, First Love. And I, oh my gosh, I finished it so fast. And afterwards I was sitting there like, that is how you do it. That, that is, is how, how you, you bring it. backstory into a, you know, into the present and how you build like first love and heartbreak. And I was just like, oh, genius. So good. I love it when that happens. It's such a good feeling where it's like, oh, yes, nailed it. He nailed it. Yes. That's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. And I do like to escape into a little bit of sci-fi shows. Like which is yeah. funny because I don't write science fiction, but I do love like, oh, I remember just loving Battlestar Galactica when it came out and, you know, um, the Star Wars movies. And it's just interesting because I have no interest in ever writing sci-fi. Although I love The Last Wendista too, which you mentioned, Monica. Yeah. And she did it really well. And so now I'm like, maybe we don't realize that what we're watching is informing what we will maybe write one day in the future. Mm. Like who knows, right? Like it's possible. We may not be consciously making those choices, but then our unconscious choices for what we are gravitating towards on TV or in the movie theater or whatever may Mm. one day plant a little seed for something in the future, right? Yeah, definitely. Who knows? We kind of touched on this already, just especially with the whole book, how it's a little bit harder to read books now that we are 
uh, writing regularly, but is it hard to not look at media through an author's lens for you? Like, even when you do lose yourself, like, uh, do you feel like even when you're losing yourself in a movie, do you analyze it like constantly or afterwards? Like talk a little bit about that. No, I, I have no problem losing myself in a book or a show or a movie. When I'm reading, I might notice something in particular that the author has done that I go, oh, okay, that, I like the way she did that. But I'm not consciously analyzing as I read. You know, I worried about that when I got into writing because I, in my previous life, I was a singer songwriter and trying to make it in the music industry, working in the music industry and, and being surrounded by musicians day in and day out and the industry part of it, I definitely did lose some of the joy in music and I stopped listening to music uh, the way that I used to. I used to just voraciously consume music and 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 to this day I still don't enjoy it the way I used to. So I definitely worried about that, but I have not had that um, issue, uh, which I think to me means that I'm in the right place. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. That's beautiful. I love that. Uh, no, I mean, I touched on it just a little bit before, but for me, I definitely have a hard time <laughs> of, with books in particular, as I said, but I do find that when a certain book just hits right, like it, you can't help yourself. And then I always find myself just be like, yes. And, and it's nice being an author, being a writer and being able to like slide into another author's DMs that you've read their book and be like, Hey, I, I know we don't really know each other, but I just have to say you did amazing. And I feel like I, now that I'm kind of on that end where my book is starting to be read a little bit more, like, I feel like I want to just anytime something hits, I'm going to give somebody a compliment because it's, it's really hard to be a writer. Every once in a while, you find that book that is just so beautifully written and, or whatever your soul needs at that time. And you can't help, but stop annotating, stop marking things and just let it like flow into your brain. Yeah. 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 I think I'm kind of like, like both of you. So I definitely can lose myself. Uh, in media and just like not even realize it's happening. But I will say that I feel that I'm a little bit more willing to stop reading a book (laughs) if it's just not hitting right. Like, because my, like, honestly, like my time is very limited. Like I work full time. I have kids. I, I write, I'm currently on a deadline trying to finish book two and I do love reading still. And I want to consume books and shows and movies that I can lose myself in. Mm. Right. And so if it's not doing it for me, like after a few chapters or after 15, 30 minutes of the show or the movie, I like, like stop, which is not something I used to do before. I just kind of like kept going and just like, ah, that sucked, you know? (laughs) And now I'm like, no, (laughs) That's yeah, true. I feel the same way. And it's so it, it's such a treasure when you do find a book that you can't put down, I think, be, as, as an author, because you do, you are writing, your life is words. You know, I spend my whole day writing and um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's such a bummer when you pick something up and you're like, oh, just not enjoying this. It's not necessarily a bad book. It's just not, it doesn't resonate with you. And I will try and push through, but 
I, yeah, I recently gave up on something when I was like three quarters of the way through, I was almost to the end. And I was like, man, I have invested too much in this. Like I can't, but like these Sabah Tahir books, I cannot put them down. And that's such a joyous feeling to be like, yes, the book that I just can't wait to get the next. It is. It's the best. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that you guys DNF books, because I've been feeling rather guilty about it, but I noticed late, like it's true. Once you're so busy in the writing world, it's really hard to commit to finishing an entire book unless you like can't put it down like Saba's book. And so, um, so thank you for saying that. I feel <laughs> my burden has been lifted. We're good. Thank you. Good. Good. Now, now here's the real question. Do you fast forward to the end or do you flip to the last few pages and finish it? Okay. You don't no. One that's shaking your head. No. <laughs> what about you, Angela? Do you? I might have dabbled in a, in a fast forward or a flip to the last chapter. I'm Yes. The answer is yes. I have done that. Yeah. Um, I have done that with shows that I'm just like not into. And I'm like, let me just see how it ends because this is frustrating, but I haven't done that with books. Um, my mother-in-law actually, um, she's no longer with us, but she, I don't know why she did this, but she would read the last few pages of a book before she even started the book. And then she would read the book. It's like when Harry met Sally. I didn't know people actually did that. Wow. (laughs) She actually did that. And she would still, she was a voracious reader and she would read the entire thing knowing how it ended. Wow. Bizarre. Well, and when Harry met Sally, his, uh, his reasoning, Harry's reasoning was that he was like, he was very cynical. Right. And he was like, what if I die before I can finish the book? (laughs) Yeah. I think there was some anxiety with that. And also just not wanting to be anxious while reading. Cause you know, sometimes um, she read a lot of crime and mystery and like, you know, high stakes books. So I think also knowing that things work out, maybe we're, we're easing her anxiety or something. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. The joy, right. Of the, is the ride, the tension. And, yeah, exactly. And we're constantly trying to up the tension for our readers yeah. and yeah. like, just make our protagonists suffer. <laughs> like, <laughs> So there's another form of media that we haven't talked about that uh, is social media. And so I would love to hear from both of you what your relationship is with that form of media. I mean, people are consuming social media for hours a day on TikTok, on Instagram, you know, Facebook, all the social medias. I don't know if Pinterest is considered social media, but like all of those platforms that um, have a social media component. Uh, I would love to hear your relationship with it and if it inspires you, if it distracts you, a little bit of both. Yeah, for me, it's definitely both. I mean, it it is, you know, because my world is pretty isolated. I mean, I, I, I work from home. I write from home. I teach from home. Um, so it is kind of my connection to my friends. It, it It's, a, I don't know if that's kind of sad to say, but um I'm on a Slack group with my, uh, a bunch of my agent siblings and we are extremely close. We talk about anything and everything, writing, daily lives, everything. And so we are, I just have my Slack open all day and I've got Twitter open and I've got Facebook open and it's inspiring definitely to, to be connected to all of the authors who, you know, I consider kindred spirits and to see book announcements and, to hear of people's struggles and all of all of it is is very inspiring. It is a big distraction. Sometimes I'm frustrated by the fact that my computer, you know, that I work 
on the same machine that I connect to all these people through. And, and so it becomes a bit of an addiction and it's definitely a source of procrastination. I mean, I spend the first hour of my day checking my emails, cycling through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And then, you know, I just tweeted this the other day. I was like, and then you come to the, you realize you've done all that stuff and oh, there's nothing left to do, but write. <laughs> so it can definitely be an easy way to be distracted. And it can also be on your down days. You know, I think publishing is a very emotional ride. And so you have these daily ups and downs. And there are days where I just don't want to look at Twitter. I don't want to see everybody's, you know, school events and book announcements and publishing successes because I'm struggling internally. Um, so it, it can be all of those things, I think. Hmm. That's exactly right. I, it's like a blessing and a curse all at once. It's, and I think especially in this day and age, like for authors, you know, obviously they don't say you have to be on social media, but I think we all know you are supposed to be out mm -hmm. here, you know, pushing your book or, or whatever is happening for you in that time. And so it's this pressure I've, I've felt from the very beginning of like, I need to be on Instagram or how am I going to make it? Or like when I do get a book published, no one's going to know. And so it's like this pressure that I can't like ease sometimes of like, I have to post something mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, I have to put myself out there somehow and do whatever I can. Uh, Cause I want to see this book succeed. And I don't have that big of a following. I don't think I'm going to push the dial that much, but my brain keeps telling me, yes, you will. So keep going. Uh, but I feel like the part I love so much is the community. And that is the part that I will always like, that's the main reason why I love being on social media, being like doing a podcast, all of these things, because it's, it's, I, I'm kind of isolated as well. Like I don't, you know, I don't even like leaving my house most days. And so I get to have that through a, a camera lens or, you know, through whatever social media I'm using, and then I can shut it down and, and go about my day, um, in my house. And so like all my friends are on social media, it feels like all of these, like all my acquaintances, all of my work, everything is on the computer, the phone, um, and so it's hard to even like put my phone down and walk away from it sometimes. Cause I'm like, oh, I might miss a notification that I've been waiting for. I might miss that email. And so I like, I find that it's getting harder and harder to step away and just like be a human, just living, um, you know, just like sitting on the grass, just outside away from stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I think even with reading books, I think it's hard to stay focused on just reading when you have your phone right there. That's you're seeing things pop up on your screen and you're like, Oh, let me just put this book down and, and get to these things that for some reason, I feel like I, they, the world will explode if I don't answer this message back. Um, but it's, it's just this, I just keep putting this pressure on myself, but really it's not healthy. I don't think. And, um, and I, even last week I was feeling this burnout of like, cause I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram. I, we have the podcast, my friend and I, like 
all of these things. And then just being a mom in the States and living in the States and seeing what's happening through scrolling, right? So you're like doom scrolling. And, and it really just took such a huge toll on me this last week where I had no desire to be on anything and it was okay. Like it was okay to not be there. The world did not explode that because I didn't post something on TikTok. Um, you know, I didn't lose a thousand followers because I didn't post people will be there. And, um, and that was the reminder I needed last week was just like, if you need that break, and if you aren't in that proper headspace, like just step away and, um, and it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. So yeah, I'm taking a yeah, breath. The, because... the social media burnout is a legit thing. And I think for me, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Like I love being able to stay in touch with my fellow writing community on there. I also felt the pressure to post and to be active just to move the needle a little bit, but also just, it's like a mutual relationship with everyone that you know is following you and who you're following. And it's like, it is a relationship. And so you don't want to just drop it and be done, but it's also, it, it can get to the point where it feels unhealthy and unnatural because, you know, I even see, uh, I'll take my dogs for a walk or I'll go for a walk in my neighborhood. And I'll see kids walking around or whatever, even on their bikes. And like, they'll have their phones on their hands and will be looking at their phones. And I know I have done that too, where I'm walking my dogs or I'm out on a walk to decompress and I have my phone with me and sometimes it'll buzz in my pocket. And so I'll look at it. And I really do um, feel that I, I'm on this journey to figure out what is going to work for me in the long run as an author because mm -hmm. it does distract from that creative spark of magic that, you know, is burning inside me to get the story told and the story written and constantly having ideas. That's where the phone is great too. Like if you have your phone on you and you have an idea, you could put it in your notes. So that's kind of nice. So it's finding that balance where it's a helpful tool that will help us navigate being authors uh, and, and artists, but also in a way that's healthy, that's not causing burnout. You know, I've, I have uh, fellow debut friends who are debuting this year along with me who had to basically drop social media for two, three weeks, like have a, like a cleanse because it got to be uh, very unhealthy for their, for their mental health. And, yeah. you know, I'm not there yet, but I do monitor myself and I try to like put my phone down and not constantly check, but I have some days that I'm better and some days that I'm worse. And like you said, Monica, like on the days that I'm having a down day for about my own writing, or maybe it was just a hard day at work or, you know, it can be a whole array of things. It makes you feel worse. And teenagers have, have been like interviewed and research shows that kids feel worse very often after being on social media for an extended period of time. But then they get the dopamine high and so do we, we get those little spikes of dopamine when we see, Ooh, my post has gotten 35 likes in the last hour. Cool. Let's see how many likes I can, you know what I mean? Like the visibility gives you that dopamine and it is chemical. Like it is a human chemical high that social media is providing us with. And like, 
I just want to make sure that I can find other ways of getting that. And I, I hope and pray that it's through the creative process of actually getting to the page and writing the story because when I'm blocked, it's not happening and it's really hard. But when I'm in the flow of writing, there's no better high. Like that dopamine high of like, oh my God, yes, this click, this chapter clicked. I'm ready to move on to the next one. And just getting into that space, I think is easier for me personally, if I'm not as plugged in to social media. So. That's so good. That's so good. And I've noticed even when I am writing and say I hit some hit a wall in my writing, my immediate instinct is, well, you know what? I need a break. Let me just grab my phone and scroll. And, yeah. you know, uh, and I'm scrolling and then I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? It's not that hard. Just put my phone down. Let me get back into the work. But it's so easy to pull yourself away and procrastinate. And then you've lost a couple hours and then you're yeah. out of the flow and then it's dinner time. And like, I've been trying to f- figure out why I have this strange impulse that the second that I'm in the flow with writing, I want to go, I want to leave it. Like I'm, I'm going, I, all of a sudden I'm having a great writing day. It's all coming out. And then I'm like, let me just go check the Twitter and the Facebook and all this stuff. And I'm like, why did I do that? Why? I have no idea. It's a really strange addiction. It is. And I think it, it, there is something that, you know, we're, it's still too early in the process of, as a society, having this at our fingertips, this instant connection, this instant dopamine, this instant, like almost like fake reward because you're not really with the person. You're not like Angela said, touching the grass and feeling the grass, but it's, I don't know what it is. And I'm with you. Like that, like urge to like, if I'm at a red light, you know, like in my car, I'm at a red light, like to kind of grab your phone because you're sitting there at the red light and just taking a breath instead and be like, you know what? Let me take a few cleansing breaths here because I don't need to reach for my phone at the red light, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's so I can't nod my head like enough. I'm like, <laughs> sitting here, yes, yes, this is yeah, me. I see myself. It's true. It's I used so to true. compare it. I used to call it uh, empty refrigerator syndrome where, you know, the, you go back to the refrigerator <laughs> over and over again to see if there's something in there that will like fill the void, whatever void it is that you're trying to fill. And I feel like it's the same thing with social media that I'll just keep scrolling and scrolling, like looking for something to fill whatever it is. Where, like you said, going out for a walk, sitting in the grass, talking with a friend would probably actually fill the void, right? It would fill the void so much better. Petting your dog, you know? Um, Yeah. And you end up actually feeling emptier. Mm. (laughs) Full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you feel full. Like if you have like a more intimate moment with someone or like, you feel that genuine joy for like a fellow writer or like a friend or some, you know, but for the yeah. most part, it's not that fulfilling. That's yeah. True. So whew, that was a lot. That is heavy <laughs> stuff. So um, this question is funny because I think this is not just advice we would give other writers, but also like advice we would give ourselves. Like if we were giving ourselves advice, uh, um, what advice would you give Uh to writers uh, on how to maybe curate the social media and, or just the media in general that they consume, like how to, how to curate, how to edit it to make it work for them. What would be your advice? Oh gosh. Well, um, the social media is a a separate thing. And I, I, I wish I knew, Um, I don't have any, any great advice on that one. Um, But in terms of 
you know, curating what you watch and what you read, I would say not to worry too much about it. I would say that, you know, reading what you enjoy and watching what you enjoy um, and not thinking, oh, I have to be reading this because this is what I write. You're, you also just need to fill the well. You need to be inspired, you know, and if going, you know, uh, going salsa dancing or going for a hike, you know, fills the well, you come back and you feel more creative, you know, and I think it's the same thing with what we consume. Um, that said, I do think it's important um, to to take some time to read those comps and mentor texts because it does give you, especially if you're delving into something new, something you haven't done before. Um, you know, when I started writing middle grade, again, like I said, I didn't, I, I hadn't been previously a big middle grade reader and I hadn't written middle grade. So I went and bought a bunch of middle grade and specifically middle grade, you know, I, I bought a, all different types of middle grade, but I also focused on what I thought I might want to write um, and authors who wrote that. And um, it gave me kind of a map of, okay, you know, now I know I can make this my own, but at least now I know what the voice should be like and what the word count you know, what word count I should be aiming for and how long the chapters are, you know, it's going to be different for YA fantasy, obviously, than it is going to be for middle grade. So if all I'm consuming is YA fantasy, I'm not going to have a roadmap for how to write middle grade. Yep. I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it all on the head. There's not much to add, I, I don't think, but like as far as the social media, for me personally, what I've really tried to just latch onto and just and stick to is only doing the things that are going to bring me joy and make me laugh. So like I'll post something that I personally think is hilarious and sometimes it just bombs, but I still think it's really funny. Um, and so I'm good. Like as long as I feel proud and like, hey, I did, I think that was really great. Um, like the Titanic. Yeah. The, the book. Yeah. Yes. Like I like, like all the most ridiculous things, it brings me joy. And so it keeps me like, well, you know, I'm having fun on here. And so it's giving me this little bit, a little boost of serotonin. It's giving me what I'm wanting to get. Um, and I also, I set limits on my apps so at like, if I've been on it for 45 minutes, which I know is a, it's actually a lot, but when you really think about it, we probably are all really, who knows how long we're on, on these apps, but, um, I set the limit for 45 minutes and my apps will pop up and be, and lock me out of my device, like of my, uh, TikTok and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that. yeah, yeah. Uh, you can. Yeah, go into your settings on those apps and they have oh. those. Uh -huh. The problem with me is that I'm on my laptop too. So I'll just go onto the. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's open. You'll hit that limit pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you might cheat a little too. It's a little easy. Mm -hmm. And and I do. I mean, I'll, I'll flick out of it and be like, eh, it's fine. But <laughs> at least I know, girl, you've been on here way too long. Mm -hmm. Go do something. But it's finding this finding the balance and which is hard just in everything, uh, you know, finding the balance. But it, I think when you kind of get to it, it's this really beautiful place. Uh, so 
I don't know if you have to try and set those limits. I think it's a good idea. And then I try to not post on the weekends. I try to stay off and just do things. Although, um, okay, that's a lie I posted today, but for the <laughs> most part, I'm trying here. Uh, and then, yeah, like for books and what you consume and shows, I mean, I feel like it's the same thing. It's, it's this balance of staying current with what your genre, you know, is producing and what's out because comps really do matter for yes. booksellers, for your publishers, because they want to gauge, you know, where yours is going to fit. And so knowing your genre like I think is kind of a must. So I think you add that as this is part of the job too, is like knowing, you know, what books are out. And so if you have to think of it as like, that is something I just need to do. Um, but then balancing it with, this is what I want to consume. And it's just this love is blind, you know? So it's, again, it's just the balance, which is impossible sometimes, but I think it's like, you have to just force yourself to find a way to do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love these answers. I'm, I'm just gonna say ditto to everything. Like, don't worry about it too much. Find that balance, you know, definitely keep, keep an eye on comps, but also lose yourself in shows and movies and just enjoy it. Um, also sort of going outside of your typical media enjoyment. Like we try to get, we live out just outside of New York city and we try to get into a Broadway show twice a year, you know, I just like go watch a show, like losing yourself in other forms of media. And something that I really want to do that I don't do enough is going to like art museums too, you know, mm. and like just the yeah. more art we consume and the more inspiration we can draw from other creatives. I feel like that just lights that spark too, you know? Yeah. So I, I want to do that more. I'll, I'll ask you to both keep me accountable. <laughs> hey, have you gone to the MoMA this year? <laughs> <laughs> I will. Now that I know, I will yeah, be on it. I'm going to try. Summer's yes. coming. So I'm going to try to get to a couple of museums this summer. I love sure. that. That's, yeah. a, that's great. I mean, really you do, you fill the well by living, you know, right. it's like by just going out and, and living in the, in the world, being yeah. a part of something beyond yeah. yourself. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, like before we were just like writing our first stories, we were still out there living and that was how we filled the well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so easy to forget to, yeah. to do that. So I love that. More museums. Yeah, live everyone. theater, live music, museums, you know, all that good media. Yes. Um, so before we wrap up, I'll close out with one final just for fun question. Um, what is, this is kind of a hard one. So I'm going to let you guys answer first. I'm going to think about my own answer, but what is one book or movie or show or any form of media that you could read or watch basically come back to over and over again, that it's sort of like this, I don't know, unicorn show or book or movie that you just love so much that you, no matter your age, no matter what you're going through in life, like that's like the thing that you could just rewatch or reread and fill the well with. Oh, I feel like everyone's going to judge me, but um, <laughs> no judging. I'm not a big rereader. I mean, there are books that I would love to reread the Sarah J. Mass books, the Elena Ferrante books. I'm always like, I would love to read those again. But because I have so many books on my TBR, um, I, I feel I never feel justified in rereading. 
Um, but in terms of shows, it's so dumb. And I know so many people are going to have the same answer, but Friends is that one show that I can just watch again and again and again. And it just brings me comfort. Yeah. So well written. So funny. I mean, it's not perfect, right? Looking back, but it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I think for me, it's, uh, I- I'm not a rereader either. So any version of Pride and Prejudice, I, I will. Oh my gosh. Any, if I even see that it seems like that kind of trope or pride and prejudice, I am on it. Yeah. Every book, every, the zombie version, uh, I'll take it all. Um, just something about the miscommunication. You know, we got the hand flex in the, the show, in the uh, movie. Um, I can't get enough of it. I'll take it all. I love it. One of my agent siblings just, uh, her book just published this year called Jane and Edward. And it's a it's a contemporary um, rom com based on Pride and Prejudice, so you might like that one. There Mel- you go. Angela's going to get on Amazon right after the show. I am. I am. I'm ready. <laughs> Edward, I am. Google. Yeah, Jane yes, Edwards. My, Melody Edwards is the author's name. Nice. Yeah, I just um, not too long ago read uh, Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne, and mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you know like a retelling but contemporary and. So good. You know, it's funny because you you know what's going to happen, but you don't care. I just need that miscommunication um, trope. I just, just give it all to me. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I, oh gosh, I, I'm struggling with this question and I wrote the question. It's really funny. Uh, I think uh, I'm just going to be honest. And I'm just going to say, if there's a show that I just if I want it in the background or if I'm on an airplane and I don't have time to watch a movie or whatever, I put on friends. Like I'm kind of with you, Monica, like that's <laughs> the honest truth. I was trying to think of like a creative book, like a book that I keep going back to. And there's a few that I'll go back and reread. Um, but mostly they're craft books. They're not like fiction. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I'm just going to leave it at that. And I think it's going to be friends. I am not a big rereader either. Um, but like I said, if I do reread, it's usually craft books like big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, you yes. know, the magic words. So I will go back to those books and reread, but those don't count. I mean, they're, they're work, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Work, but they're work. Um, this has been so great. I've loved talking to both of you and about media as, as inspiration. So we'll wrap up. If you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books. And be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for the Las Musas newsletter to have podcast updates as well as other Musa news, such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.